There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Welcome to the show about money. It is Saturday night. It's Hi-Fi Radio. I'll weave in a little of uh, fidelity for you to help uh, make the... Uh, Exercise so much more palatable, shall I say. Yeah, we're going to talk about money today, my good friends. Uh, that's what we do. We help you build wealth. If you have any questions, by the way, you can always reach out to us. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com is where you can find us. And uh, we'll get back to you. And uh, no question too big, no question too small. Uh, we help them all, my good friends. Indeed, we do. Interesting times. Boy, is it ever interesting times. But you know something? Uh, a uh, happy life is a... Well, a stable life and uh, stability, uh, COVID, um, you know, marital challenges certainly is a, a rising theme. But tomorrow's Valentine's Day. So if you're married, uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, tell your loved one how much you love them and go and get them something tonight. You got time. Don't forget. Don't forget. First thing in the morning, it should be there. Uh, that's probably very good. Finan- it is good financial advice. Don't need to overspend. Buy them a few days early. I should probably get a bit of a discount, but that's okay. Uh, you know, it's a thought that counts, you know, maybe pen, pen to paper, write some nice words. Uh, you don't want to have to go through a marital breakdown. It is so expensive. Oh, uh, second marriage is even more, uh, challenging, I shall say every now and then. So, uh, keep the love, keep the peace. And of course, take care of your health. We're here about, uh, financial health. Um, interesting times, I must say. Uh, I think the theme for 2021 is valuation no longer matters. Uh, if it's going up, uh, get a piece of it. And uh, if it's not working, get out of it. Uh, perhaps in the short term, that's going to work. And uh, it seems to be the thing. Uh, I do think eventually valuations do matter. And uh, at the end of the day, I do believe, as Buffett always put it, it's a the market that is, is a voting machine in the short term. It's a weighing machine in the long term uh jack good evening to you my good friend i understand you're sitting in your car uh, a little bit too much noise in the house to do a radio show on saturday night yeah wolf the, uh, the family's certainly busy these days you lots of uh outdoor rinks and uh tobogganing these days but um you know when everyone's at home and uh, things are busy you gotta you know find some peace and quiet which is uh for me at the moment it's out in the car and uh we do have great reception with the technology that uh, the course is supplying so that's that's wonderful um but uh, yeah like you said uh th- this market has you know uh, is really accelerated um you know at back end of 2020 and the start of 2021 you know we're seeing some emerging themes obviously the stay-at-home tech trade continues to to uh, accelerate we're also seeing some green technology uh, opportunities out there and you know investors are really getting enthusiastic about that as well you know what we were talking about before um with technology the the total addressable market is a, a big theme that people are starting to look at and um we own for our clients uh, airbnb obviously total addressable market for that is very large um, for four trillion dollars yeah the one thing that i would say is though that when you start looking at investments and start looking at different ways to value investments or coming up with new metrics, it is a sign that things are starting to get toppy. You know, uh, Jack, it can be. Uh, Again, we have to go back to Tony Dwyer's work. Uh, Tony uh, has been saying in a zero interest rate environment, uh, valuating uh, markets and companies becomes so much more challenging. 
Uh, just look at the, the, the interest rate environment once again. Uh, a, a few of our clients have some GICs. They wanted some very safe money, and those GICs have matured, and we're looking to reinvest the GIC in another GIC. There's nothing to be made. Uh, it's, we're finding a half a percent uh, for a one-year cashable GIC. It's nothing uh, when you got the bank dividends paying 4%, the pipes paying 6%, um, and that's you know the, the Canadian uh, plain vanilla names. Uh, but if you look at the land of technology, semiconductors, for example, a new name that we just put on, uh, Applied Materials, we've been in and out of this capital equipment maker a number of times, um, but the world is short semiconductors. The semiconductor space uh, historically is expensive, but on a relative market basis, uh, when you buy semis for you know, 30 times earnings, not that egregious uh, when other names you know, like Shopify are trading at, I don't know, 80 times revenue now, I can't even keep track of that name. Interesting to see, of course, and actually it's not interesting, it's not surprising, uh, but to see money rotate out of that GameStop trade uh, further this week. Stock is trading below $50. A um, couple names that we uh, punted out, Jack, that uh, I do take responsibility for that move. Uh, boy, oh boy, Square, sell the stock, it goes higher. Estee Lauder, sell the stock, it goes higher. AMD, sell the stock, it goes higher. It's tough, uh, but fortunately, we redeployed that uh, money into some other good names uh, that have also gone higher. So, it, uh, like I said, in a zero interest rate environment, the valuation metrics do change. But again, uh, Jack, I'm going to come back to your statement um, about new metrics. Uh, you know, the Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham um, style of, of, of valuing businesses was in an environment where you really had lots of competition. You really had almost pure competition. You had multiple railways, you had multiple automotive manufacturers, multiple phone companies. Uh, in this day and age, in the last 20 years, tech players tend to be winner take all. And I'm speaking Google, Amazon, Apple, and Airbnb now. Uh, winner take all, again, gives you a moat, um, and it gives you just what you always say is a bit of the, uh, our Achilles tendon or Achilles heel, uh, and that is the um, uh, dominance. And once you become dominant, um, of course, you become regulated. And, and that in itself presents different challenges. But uh, the total addressable market uh, for businesses, uh, you know, like Lyft, like a um, Airbnb, uh, perhaps even uh, the Teladoc uh, investment that we just put on uh, will we'll, we'll show such success uh, because you know you, you, I think ultimately Jack all you have to say is it becoming a verb that's it is it becoming a verb <laughs> becoming a verb you're onto something am I right yeah but uh, absolutely absolutely once once it becomes ingrained and people say that you know I'm going to google something obviously you know that Google is a dominant player in the space and you talk about competition uh, and, and Ben Graham and Warren Buffett a lot of the, the metrics they were looking at uh, competition for capital too Wolf because back in the day you know if you could get a a 10% GIC and you could in the 80s and 90s um, you know stocks really had to outperform um, because people wanted that guaranteed return now we're looking at like you said um, people getting forced out the risk curve whether it's buying you know stable blue chip stocks like banks and railroads or looking for these higher growth type tech companies but uh, if you have uh, a GIC and I've got a, a list of them right here uh, one year GICs are, are returning anywhere from 75 basis points to half a percent. So um, if people want to generate a real return, which means a, a return above inflation, um, you are being forced to, to take some risk. And people that 
you know, if, if you got out of the market last year uh, or two years ago and maybe you bought a GIC at two and a half percent because that's what they were the, the going rate was at the time. Most people at that time were only locking in for one year uh, and then they move them. It's, uh, you know, like I said, 75 to 50 basis points, which, you know, for a long term investor, there's a significant opportunity cost for just sitting in that cash. And you do have your safety of principle. So if that's your objective, that's fine. But, um, you know, if you want to generate a positive return and generate, you know, most financial plans are, are running off of a four to five percent minimum return. Um, you, you need to take some risk and you may need to manage that risk as well. Well, without question. And again, friends, uh, you have a sum of money. You are retired. How much of that money do you need this year? How much of that money do you need next year? And if you go through that exercise, you realize that the bulk of your money that you have, you do not need for five and 10 and 15 years. And that's the type of money you're basically going to have to try to encourage yourself to take on risk with. Historically speaking, if you buy equities over the long haul, they will outperform bonds. And I think that statement should probably be punctuated in a zero interest rate environment. So I repeat, if you stretch your time horizon, risk is reduced by mere fact of time because historically, just look at the markets, they tend to go from lower left to upper right, meaning they tend to go higher. And uh, with the amount of global stimulus taking place and with the central banks uh, around the world saying they're going to keep the pedal to the metal, that is the theme and it's a new year and I think the theme is going to play out uh, for some time. Uh, again, our chief strategist, Tony Dwyer, thinks we got it at least until 2023 with that theme. Um, so it, it's, a, again, uh, the, the trend is your friend. Just be aware and continue to manage risk. And diversity, I think, is one of the easiest ways to manage risk. And make sure you're working with a, a advisor who understands the importance of risk management. Taking risk on is important and managing that risk is important. And knowing when you have too much risk and again perhaps it's a good it's a good point i'm making right now if do not tell yourself and realize you have too much risk when the market goes down today is the time to to take a look and say do i have too much risk because the market is up this is the time you can peel back if you like and reduce risk you do not reduce risk when markets are down you do it when markets are up so you got a bit of a bit of a free pass here take advantage of it if you have too risky of a portfolio um, if you have a time horizon, then again, I think you are going to continue to do quite well. How well? Of course, anyone's guess, but the technology disruption, um, themes of a long-standing secular nature is how we manage money and it tends to work very, very well for us. Uh, take, take a look at our results, WolfgangKlein.com. We post our portfolios. We post our results every month. Uh, we're very transparent. Very few advisors do that. Uh, I'm not sure why. But uh, we're very proud of our work. We want you to see our work. And, hey, it's available to you as well, my good friends. Look, we're going to take a quick break, uh, check over in with one of our chief analysts, Mr. Robert Young. Lots to talk about. We're going to be hitting on Bitcoin. We're talking COVID. We are going to be speaking about um, Tesla making a billion and a half dollar investment into Bitcoin. Oh, it's going to be great. Robert is a very, very smart man. Uh, I promise you one thing. You're going to learn so much, and it's going to help you have more money. Stay tuned.
Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Des yeux qui font baisser les miens Un rire que se perd sur sa bouche Voilà les portraits sauvétuches De l'homme auquel je partirai There we go. Thank you, Martin, for that. Uh. There you go. Memories of Paris, you know, memories of travel, memories of pre-COVID. And, uh, of course, had to find a beautiful piece of music for my very, very sweet friend, uh, Mr. Martin Roberge. Martin, as we like to call him, Martin Roberge, um, man from Montreal, brilliant, brilliant strategist, a quant guy, has a big brain. Um, and, of course, French-Canadian, beautiful accent on the man. So I want to give you a little uh, La Vie Rose, my good friend. It's a beautiful piece of music. I love, you know, I love French jazz music. It's, and it's underplayed. Uh, it's just so romantic. And uh, why not? It's Hi-Fi Radio. I want to give everyone a little bit of fidelity and some romance. And money can be romantic. Um, so why not? Let's keep some romance in our, in our uh, currency, shall I say. Martin, uh, welcome back to the show, my good friend. Incredible times. Yeah. Uh, incredible. I don't know where to start, where to end with you, my good friend. Um, you know, if you're in the right stuff, you're making money. Um, valuation doesn't matter. Uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk buying a billion and a half dollars of Bitcoin. Uh, companies trading at 100 times sales. Um, deep value names. Well, they're still deep value and cheap. A uh, little interest one of our pipeline stocks, the uh, Ipple got a bid uh, this week, and uh, Cameco had a nice pop. We're still on the Cameco stock. So uh, what's catching your attention, and uh, how can you help Jack and I manage our clients' money? Yeah, uh, crazy times, crazy markets. And as you just said, valuation is uh, certainly not the a paramount factor when it comes to uh, um gauging the ups and downs right now. And I would say that um, um, obviously the market is, is, is really hot. Uh, but um, again, as we've been stressing over the last couple of uh, weeks, if not, if not months, if you look outside the U.S., we can still find markets that are uh, cheaper uh, and pro- probably provide the same uh, technology or growth exposure than and some of the U.S. companies provide us with, and and this is probably where we we uh, we uh, we have most where we're overweight in our equity portfolios, and and still like there's another underlying theme, which is which is commodities. Every everyone I'm sure is looking at the price of gas, and it's been going up, and uh, and we continue to believe that probably uh, we have a, uh, a bull market in commodities that just got going, and and should last probably another another year or two. So overall, anything that is cyclical uh, should continue to to do well. And anything that is related to growth, um, growth slash uh, new new growth companies, oh. uh, you, they they could continue to do well uh, 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 as well for for a little while, I believe. So so Martin, I'll tell you something. We uh, picked up some Airbnb a couple of weeks ago. 
And I said, oh, this company is so expensive. Um, but, you know, the long-term runway, the total addressable market is upwards of $4 trillion. When you factor in, today, when you factor in all the potential business spin-offs that Airbnb can generate from corporate to sporting events to um, themes and experiences, um, you know, easier for families to travel as a larger group, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you, you see a huge market of, uh, opportunity, but how much of that is baked into the cake? Stock, obviously, has just gone straight higher since we purchased. I can't believe it. But another theme that I think has better valuation, uh, and you're hearing more of it from a couple of companies, I think Cisco and General Motors this week said there's a shortage of semiconductor stocks. I love the semis, and there's been some time when you haven't been as keen on the semis, um, and which is fine. That makes a market, Martin. Uh, but uh, I love the love the semis. They've been just continuing to work harder and harder and higher and higher. 5G network, driverless cars, uh, video gaming at home, uh, sensors everywhere, Big Brother watching you, Internet of Things. Can I, you know, the list goes on. Uh, so let's speak about the semis first, if we can, and then we can maybe speak about some of these, uh, you know, disruptive themes that seem to have that growth characteristic, brand characteristic, and, uh, you know, cachet at the same time. Well, when it comes to semis, I prefer to play the apps that are being built around the semiconductors. Semiconductors are providing you with the input or the architecture to uh, develop your, your applications. And uh, this is what this is what I've been favoring more playing like uh, what is gravitating gravitating within the semiconductor ecosystem, and that's one among many. And we're we're going to talk about that maybe later. Um, yeah, the shortage is obviously related to uh, transportation costs. Obviously, usually expensive because China has just has just been um, going gangbuster gangbuster with with its economy over the last. A year and and there's a uh, a, a scarcity of of, uh, of of cargos of uh, of trains and of uh, of goods because of COVID lack of labor to manufacture those goods and uh, obviously chip chip components is part of the, uh, of the 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 good chain but it's not only semis it's nearly every good related products because this recovery has been driven by goods because service sectors are are being locked down. So the discretionary income that people uh, get from the government of, or from their jo job, they, they use it to spend on goods as opposed to use that spending on, on services, so houses, uh, cars, electronics. So semis is, is part of that theme where, you know, you get a COVID recovery or post-COVID recovery, which is, which is putting a lot of pressure on, uh, on goods and on, on, on prices. And, you know, it's going to continue probably until you see the vaccine vaccine rollout having a, a, a more tangible impact on, on the economy in the, in the second half of the year. But for now, obviously, uh, the chip uh, shortage is having an impact on 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 some uh, some companies. Uh, Qualcomm, for example, is one. So you got to be careful at picking the right ones. Those that are suffering from from the shortages, which are the end end sellers, will be suffering. But the, the primary producers should continue to uh, to win. Yeah, um, let, let's take a pivot. Uh, let, let's come over to Canada. Uh, the oil patch. Um, what do you make of the Canadian oil patch, Martin? Yeah, they're going to get their uh, their days in the sun. 
they've been they've been catching up to uh, to um, to the rest of the market. Uh, last year was tough. Second half of last year, last year was better. Um, obviously, like we we're going to be struggling to get our oil out of the uh, out of Canada for a little while, which is why we we favor um, uh, U.S. oil companies, especially the integrated. Uh, uh, because they provide us at least with a margin of safety in the case that um, we've got a low, low, uh, or we say in a sub sixty dollar environment. So, so far we've seen a nice rally in in, in in oil, driving most stocks higher, and that's fine, and, and that's been our view. But post like above sixty, uh, there could be a, a brick wall as a, you know it becomes it becomes a tax on the consumer. But in a in a flat or in a in, in a stable oil environment, like around $60, we believe that those integrated companies that are refining oil and transforming oil into gasoline will reap the benefits of the recovery because right now uh, consumers have just started, you know, in the U.S. to, to consume more, more, more gasoline with, with the economy coming back. But in second half of the year, the, the crack, what we call the crack spreads, uh, the margins that refiner will will make on 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 uh, on transforming their their oil into gasoline like th- this crack spreads will will widen out it, it will be extremely profitable for the Exxon the Chevron the Oxy like Suncor in Canada will will benefit uh, as well they have refining operations but this is where we 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 put most of our money in the uh, and in some nat gas stocks as well, as we believe it's a different commodity, which will continue to do well, we, we believe. Um, I caught a story this week, and I, I sent it to you, Jack, uh, to you as well, Jack. Um, there is a shortage of helium. Helium? I said, helium? <laughs> Balloons? Okay. Uh, no, industrial application for helium is on the uptick, uh, and it's a derivative play from natural gas. Uh, did you catch anything on that story, Martin? Are you aware of the industrial uh, uh, fact, uh, uses for helium? And, and the same topic, well, so I also want to speak to you then about um, lithium and, of course, uh, uh, the, the, that space has just been absolutely on yeah. fire. No, the, like our analyst wrote a report this week. Uh, it's, on my, it's on my desk. I, I will read it over the weekend. But uh, he, he got a lot of traction from the report. So, uh, sorry, report on lithium or on helium? Uh, helium. helium. On helium. Yeah. Yeah. We got a nice report that, that was uh, written this week by our oil and gas analyst, and so I'm going to read it over the weekend. And on, on with regards with regards to um, lithium, it's just part of the the, the old EV. EV ecosystem again. Like I use the word ecosystem, lithium is 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 one. Uh, where you got the the uh, the manufacturing of uh, the EV, like the electric vehicle uh, adoption curve, is uh, is just like about to uh, enter what we call the acceleration phase, and uh, this this should be a reality for 2022. Uh, right now, we are more in the stability, like stable growth phase because of the pandemic, but the next round of uh, you know one, once this pandemic subsides. The new, the majority of new cars will will be electric as opposed to non-electric. So we're going to be accelerating the adoption. This is what the uh, I guess the lithium prices is discounting right now. Uh, we'll start to discount. Uh, well, Martin, you know I'm, I, I read a story in the Wall Street Journal uh, last week, and 
uh, it, it wasn't as uplifting as I would hope. And it's, the thesis was the pandemic, COVID, as it mutates, is going to be with us for a lot longer than we had hoped, uh, perhaps a decade or even longer. The good news is we are learning to live with it, and we will continue to enhance our abilities to live with it, similar to their saying, the flu. Uh, of course, time will tell. We shall see. And, uh, oh, Martin, I'm dying to go to a restaurant. I have to say to you, I'm just dying yeah. to go. I, I want to go to Paris. I want to eat your French onion soup and your coco vin. Drink some wine. You know, want to roam the streets. What I really want to do, Martin. I'd even like to come to Montreal uh, and hang out. But they don't really want us to do that either. I, I was looking yeah. at uh, maybe maybe going skiing in Tremblant. I'm not going to. But uh, uh, if I go skiing in Tremblant, basically all the buildings are shut. Uh, you have to prepare your own meals, so it's just, you know, not as much of a vacation as I would uh, really like. All we do is work uh, every single day. It's Monday to Sunday at work. I, I look at the markets. I read. I say, what else am I going to do? Um, yeah. You know, it's incredible, uh, and you do need a break uh, from it every now and then, but uh, I love what I do. You love what you do. Jack loves what he does, even when he's sitting, he's sitting in the car for the show right now just to help uh, all of us uh, have more money. I uh, hope your, is your car turned on, Jack? It is. Well, if I need it on right now, a lot of, it's pretty cold. Though, so get the heat going for sure. <laughs> trying to get those, trying to get those uh, gas stocks out in uh, Western Canada. Get a buddy, little bit under them. With, buddy, uh, with you I, I, it's, it's paradise by the dashboard lights, man. It's just, uh, you know, sort of like your Carlsberg years. What happens when you get older? It's just a different version of Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Uh, let's take a quick break, uh, get back with uh, Martin Reberge, and then we're going to pivot into Mr. Rob Young. In fact, we're going to get them both on the line at the same time because they are all part of the same family. It's Canaccord Genuity all here all the time, my good friends. We're here for you, and we want you to have more money. Yes, we do. Uh, you stay tuned. More show right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, my good friends, it is Saturday night. Oh, to be 17, to be 17. Youth is wasted on the young. But you know something? There's a benefit to getting older. You have more money. I hope you do. Uh, you better have more money each and every year. You should have more wealth. Uh, give it to charity. Uh, do some good with it. I don't care what you do with it, but you know, you should have more wealth. That's what it's all about, building some wealth. You work, you save, and you have to invest, and you can't leave it in the bank, my good friends. They're paying you zero uh, term deposits, half a percent. No, you have to unfortunately take on risk. Um, Rob Young, uh, one of our managing directors, Canaccord Genuity, a tech analyst, great guy, uh, brilliant speak. He's been on the show a number of times. Uh, thank you for joining us, my good friend. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we got Martin Robert on. He is our uh, quant North American technical strategist at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, Martin, of course, uh, has been on the show many times as well. And uh, Martin, you were on a uh, institutional conference call this week that uh, Jack tuned into, and uh, you used the phrase melt up. 
uh, i.e. the market is melting up. Uh, speak to that, my good friend. And then, Rob, I want you to jump in and maybe we'll, we'll move over to Wall Street bets as part of that melt-up uh, euphoria that's going on. Melt up, melt down, <laughs> wax on, wax on. The market has been, as we said, like pretty hot over the last couple of weeks and a lot of folks looking for, for tactical corrections going, uh, given the, uh, the amount, of, amount of exuberance we're seeing out there. The, pro the problem is that when the mentality shifts into a, uh, an exuberant uh, way, um, like typical overbought, oversold, indicators, uh, sentiment indicators rarely work. And what we normally see is, is what we call like a chase for, for performance. And the lack of, of performance is attracting more people into the market. And what we have noticed is that when you look and talk to people, retail investors, and look at their activity, obviously they're, they're all in and participating to this rally. But when you look at the institutional crowd, they're not there yet. And we track positioning uh, from uh, major institutions. And on a scale of, uh, of one to five, five being all in in the market, they're roughly around three, maybe three and a half. And we believe that those marginal buyers will uh, and could capitulate uh, over the next couple of, uh, of weeks and months and drive this, uh, this mar market melt-up. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is that obviously it will be followed by by some form of a correction. But the melt-up is all about institutional money uh, jumping in and uh, capitulating to market forces. But, you know, that, that's a very interesting, Martin. And again, for the listener uh, at home or if you're just driving around the streets of Toronto uh, listening to the radio, it's a fun thing to do. Uh, institutional investors, institutional money, Martin was referring to the likes of Canada Pension Plan, Teachers Pension Plan, Omers, the Cade de big pools of money. And we're speaking about institutions that will be running 30, 40, 100 billion dollars. So Martin is telling us that they're not all in yet. And again, they have pensioners relying on a rate of return and cash flow from them. And they often have, not often, they do have what's called a hurdle rate. The actuaries and the uh, the, the brainiacs behind them doing the risk analysis, the, the asset liability match for all the pensioners has a rate of return objective of in and around five, six, seven percent. Uh, in a zero interest rate environment, the bond market does not allow them to generate anything close to that. And so if they're not in and they want to generate that return, it's, it's about risk. Hey, um, Rob Young, uh, I want to, uh, <laughs> we're going to call him a cousin of yours, but he's not. Um, <laughs> And Martin, you're going to help me out here, and Jack is as well. Who was that gentleman that used to work with us at Canaccord? His name was Young as well, and he was speaking about the credit cycle. And that's exactly what I'm thinking about right now, where pensions have hurdle rates, and they have to basically use a lot of leverage if they're going to use any kind of debt instrument to, to generate their rate of return. Um, and, and that was a big U.S. phenomenon. What was his name, Jack? Uh, Rob Young was his last name. No, it was Brian Reynolds. He was a credit Brian, show. Brian started. Reynolds, that's right. Brian Reynolds. Yes. Yeah, Martin, have you spoken with him and picked up his latest thesis? It's been a while, but he was calling for this. He said we are in a historic credit bull market that will run for three to five years. He didn't change his theme, and he mentioned this to us two years ago before COVID came along. COVID just exasperated the credit creation. Yeah, I never got to really talk to him over the years. It was a canicle for a short period of time. 
but I do remember reading some uh, of his stuff, and and actually he, he he's right to the extent that if you look on, on a, a scale of of risks, uh, equities are right at the top, but but credit is right below, and uh, and uh, and what we're seeing uh, in line with his uh, thesis is that companies are using leverage to capture or engineer the same equity return of stocks, but since credit historically um, gives less or returns less than, than stocks to generate the same, uh, the same return of stocks with less risk. And those, those uh, credit funds are, uh, are the ones that are uh, obviously uh, taking the, or narrowing the credit spreads are, are, are taking corporate bond yields lower. And when bond yields are lower and reaching out for government bond yields, uh, it just uh, forces more, even more people to to uh, to move up, move up the risk ladder because you know that the next step is is the equity market. So as credit spreads have compressed over the last few years, we're seeing more and more people embracing uh, equities uh, because that's the next uh, next move. And uh, and as long as credit and credit funds are are, are buying those corporate bonds uh, with, uh, with 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 or without leverage. Uh, that that is a big big cushion behind the the equity market and and probably the story behind the the three to four year bull market in stocks. Well, let's uh, hope you are right. Um, you know, you you move up the risk curve you indicated from credit to stock uh, equity, in other words. Uh, but let's take it to the next level. Uh, Wall Street bets. <laughs> Rob. Uh, Rob Young, our, our, one of our tech analysts, a brilliant mind, uh, give us a quick uh, rundown on the Wall Street bets creation and, and really what it did for the market in 2021. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds. We're going to get a break and get back on it. Uh, but sure. take, take it away, Rob. Well, I'd say it, it probably hasn't had that much of an impact in Canada outside of BlackBerry. BlackBerry was one of the first ones. GameStop is the one that uh, caught all of the uh, attention in the media. But it's essentially where... You know, you have uh, in, uh, hedge funds that have a uh, sh- large amount of uh, short interest, i.e. they have more of the stock shorted. They're expecting it to go down um, than the volume or the liquidity of the stock. And some, you know, some smart retail investors recognized and they created a short squeeze, which forced these hedge funds to uh, cover their shorts. Uh, at a higher level. And so, I mean, these stocks all went up uh, aggressively and a lot of retail people piled in behind them. Uh, they used social media and Wall Street bets as a way to sort of rally, you know, the troops, I guess. Maybe yeah. not the best. You no, know, it's just, uh, that's what they did. Trade, but they pulled a lot of people in, maybe unwittingly, and uh, they created that short squeeze. And, um, you know, now we're seeing the other side of that short squeeze uh, when the hedge funds have sort of, you know, taken their pain and gotten out of it. Um, and it's, you know, some of the retail people who sort of jumped into those trades. We're in Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Uh, Mark Robert, our chief strategist, is on the show. Jack Hartle, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights for him. Let's go to break, get right back to the Money Show, Hi-Fi Radio, right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my friends. You know what it's about. 
It's about Bitcoin. Minting money, hey? Elon Musk thinks so. Musk went out and, well, he took Tesla shareholders' money. Understand this. He took Tesla's shareholders' money, a billion and a half dollars off the balance sheet. It was probably sitting in a T-bill. Uh, and he went and bought Bitcoin. Market went gaga. Uh, he went further on to say that in the future, uh, you will be able to purchase his product with a Bitcoin. Um, that's a phenomena, I must say. Again, uh, Bitcoin in 2021 as, as a collective will probably eclipse a trillion dollars, which actually isn't that much to the global authorities to, to uh, stave off the uh, pandemic and economic crises have printed some 30 trillion dollars. So you actually see how small Bitcoin really is. Hey, uh, gentlemen, uh, probably Martin real quick. I'm gonna get to Rob. Uh, how big is a gold market, uh, international gold market? It's not that big as in terms of valuation, a couple trillion? Yeah, I think that, that Bitcoin has to go around 150K to, uh, to match the, uh, or something, maybe even more, but uh, uh, it's, uh, I don't think it's gonna get there, but uh, uh, it's a couple of, of times where we are today if we were to match the, uh, the market value of the gold, uh, that, yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so my guess is we're probably, your guess, probably 25% of the way there. Uh, Rob Young, um, what do you think of Musk buying a billion and a half of Bitcoin? And Square did the same thing. Jack and I were owners of Square for our clients. Square went on and bought some Bitcoin. That popped that stock. Maybe Canagor should buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I think what, what we're seeing here is the rails in the traditional sort of financial markets are getting a little more open to uh, digital assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so where it would have been very difficult a year ago for a company like Tesla to buy that much Bitcoin in a way that it could, you know, put on its balance sheet in a safe way. Uh, now you have uh, traditional financial companies, actually Bank of New York Mellon actually just announced uh, today that they're, going to start doing providing custody of digital assets. And, and so companies like Tesla, um, Square, PayPal has been involved in this. There's a Canadian company, Mogo, which has been, you know, connected to this a little bit. And so it, it's just the rails or the, the existing um, uh, traditional banking system is now opening up and allowing people to hold this type of asset in a way they haven't before. And so companies are looking at fiat currency and wondering, whether they need to de-risk, uh, you know, holding fiat currency on their balance sheet when, you know, money printing has been so strong. And obviously, Elon Musk is in a position where he can take a more uh, philosophical decision because he has a lot of control over uh, Tesla and uh, maybe not the sort of thing that you're going to see, you know, rampant in boardrooms anytime soon. But it definitely shows that Bitcoin is becoming a more mainstream um, asset class. So again, it's a digital asset. Again, it's a puff of air. It's a zero, bunch of zeros and ones with a long algorithmic code behind it. And that's, of course, uh, what the miners and the network have to keep running. We get a power outage. Oh, boy, we got ourselves a problem. Um, we, Jack, you and I had a guest on last week or the week prior who was saying the digitization of uh, and, and monetization of other assets is in front of us. I think of the Mona Lisa. Martin, eh? Can you imagine digitizing the Mona Lisa? Number one, there's value there, okay? It's not a zero and one. It attracts crowds. It's got a monstrous intrinsic value. Why not digitize that and mm -hmm. unleash the value in it? That would certainly help with some of Europeans. That, hey, what about that concept? 
Well, there are companies that are already doing that now. That's my um, point. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so it, the, the trick of it is, is how do you break a an asset into constituent parts, right? You can't take the Mona Lisa and, and cut it up into piece, stamp-sized pieces of paper. No, but by, digitize, no but by digitizing put it on a blockchain, can. yeah, I'll put it on a blockchain. I know that, that's, that's my point. And that's the, so that's the part of um, crypto, I think, that we all can and, and want to really appreciate. Put Bitcoin aside. It's about the blockchain. Um, Rob, do us a favor. Give us, a, again, a quick primer on what blockchain is and why it truly is so unique and invaluable on a go-forward basis. Sure. It's, a, it's an immutable ledger. So that means it's, it's, a, uh, it's basically a, uh, an accounting system that sits in the Internet that cannot be changed. And so if you look over the history of the Internet, there's all these different protocols that have emerged to do different things. There's a protocol that allows us to do voice over the internet. There's a protocol that allows us to look at websites over the internet. There's protocols that do all sorts of interesting things. Bitcoin is a protocol to transfer value over the internet. And so, you know, Bitcoin is now seen as a unit of account. Uh, and that unit of account is recorded in a blockchain. The blockchain is the accounting system, which, you know, keeps track of who owns what. Uh, it would be like the ledger when you go, if you have your accounts at, uh, you know, Royal Bank, they'll have a ledger on a, on a server somewhere in the basement, and they'll keep track of that. Um, in the case of um, a blockchain, it's kept track of, you're, it's keeping track of that ledger across thousands and thousands and thousands of servers all over the world uh, that are run by the people that are mining on, you know, Bitcoin or other blockchains. And so there's that safety that's uh, inferred by just the, the massive number of people that have copies of the blockchain on their computer. Out of time, my good friend. I, I, you know, again, I believe in the loony. And, and again, it truly is no different. It's just minted out of nothing. Uh, so you, if, you, if you can believe in a dollar, you have to start to stretch your mind into believing in, 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 in cryptocurrency. But for me, it'd be more believable if the unit was backed by the Mona Lisa. I would be that Mona Lisa, well, invaluable, but Martin, quick guess. What's the Mona Lisa worth? Quick guess. I have no idea. Like uh, billion. A billion dollars? A billion bucks? Well, I don't. I have no idea, but certainly Priceless, like, Wolf. so close to that number. Um, that's good. Again, yeah, that's what you want. See, I want a unit of I want to own a unit of that. Anyways, it is Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. If someone can get back to me with the value of the Mona Lisa, maybe I'm going to kryptonite it, my good friends, for you. And you can all be partners. Rob Young, you're great. Martin Reberge. Uh, I want to wish you a safe weekend, my good friend. Hope your family is doing well. My prayers are with you there. Uh, sandwich generation is difficult. Taking care of our loved ones at both ends of the spectrum. You're all good people. Thank you for tuning in. Jack, stay warm, my good fun. friend, and you get you get back into the house. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everyone. Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday night on the Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.